Go with me to Isaiah chapter 7. I don't know, roughly seven, eight hundred years before Christ at this time of turmoil when Isaiah was called to be a prophet to the nations and began to speak some of the things he spoke about that God revealed to his heart and to come out of his mouth was about the coming Messiah. And in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. A virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call Him Emmanuel. Hallelujah. Emmanuel, we sing about it, it means God with us. God with us. And in the, the context of what he was saying, he, Isaiah was prophesying this in a very tumultuous time, a, very, uh, a time when, when really judgment was coming. If we look at it in that sense, we can see, you know, um, here we had the, the kingdom of God, praise God, represented through Solomon and the nation of Israel and this glorious temple built. And in that day when the temple was built and Solomon was king, it was a, uh, an Old Testament picture of the glory of God and the glory of heaven. For the first time, Israel was settled in the promised land. They had the, um, the Ark of the Covenant, um, praise God, and they had the, the temple was being built and it was glorious and the presence of God coming to the temple and um, they had peace from their enemies on every side. And you could see the glory of God in the temple. It was a picture, a type and shadow of what was to come when the real king came. Amen? God told David, you know, he had it on his heart to, to build this temple, this place for God to dwell with his people, as we shared last week. He had it on his heart to do this. And the prophet told him, you know, hey, it's not really going to be you, David, but there's one coming after you that's going to be your son. And in the physical, it was Solomon who physically built the temple. But what the prophet was saying, is there one coming from you later on? It's going to be the king of the world. It's going to be the Messiah. He was really prophesying about Christ coming to build this temple. You see, we are now the temple of the living God. We are the stones, the burnt rubble stones taken from the world and brought in together and cleansed by His blood and put together. And from every nation and every tongue, we're coming together. And as we join together in the body of Christ, He's filling us with His Spirit. The same Shekinah glory of God that filled the temple in that day physically and you could see it with your eyes is now filling the church. And as it fills the church, it overflows to the streets and ministries like Fresh Start and people who were bound in darkness now see the light and come and respond to the light and they get changed from on the inside and then they graduate up here because the light has touched their heart. Amen. This is the, the light of the kingdom of God. It's such a, a glorious day. Praise God. The church said in uh, Isaiah chapter 7, praise God. You know, he goes on to say, He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, 
The land of the two kings you dread will be laid to waste. The Lord will bring on you and your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah, and he will bring the king of Assyria. I want to tell you that at the time Isaiah threw in the line that the Messiah was coming, he was also prophesying, if you read the chapters before and after, about a lot of the destruction of Israel that's coming. You see, he's talking about God with us, holy God, and at the time there was sinful man, and when holy God is with sinful man because of their sin, judgment must come. So he's prophesying, really, of the things that are happening. You know, in Israel, after Solomon's day, after Solomon's day, it was a divided nation. See, it couldn't last forever because it was only a type and a shadow of what was really going to come in the New Testament. So Israel was divided. The 12 tribes became divided. Ten to the north, two to the south. It was Israel to the north who established Samaria as their capital. And it was Judah to the south who still had Jerusalem. So guys, if you read the books of Kings and Chronicles, Chronicles chronologically um, shows the order of the kings of the southern nation of Judah, and Kings shows both the nation of Israel and Judah. So you have the 12 tribes of Israel now divided as a people. They're in the promised land. They're in the promised land that God brought them out of Egypt, brought them through the wilderness, put them in the promised land. They drove out some of the other nations. They didn't drive them all out like he said. They allowed some of that sin from the world to come into their camp. It corrupted them away from the living God. They allowed some of the junk of the world after they got to the promise. They allowed some of it to come back in a little at a time here and there and then begin to fall to it. You hearing me? They allowed some of the junk of the world to come in to the nation of Israel. They were supposed to wipe it all out. They let a little in here and a little in there, and soon they were corrupted by it and fell to it. Okay? So now, in the God's holy land, the promised land, the nation of Israel, you have the sin of the world that's creeping in, that's messing them up. They're starting to turn and worship false gods of the world. And now, because of it, you have judgment, and the nation becomes divided Ten tribes to the north, two to the south, and it's a divided kingdom. Well, the nation of Israel, if you read the book of Kings, after one chapter after another, it lists the kings and things that happened in history. And pretty much every king of Israel after that was evil and didn't follow the word of the Lord, didn't follow the law, didn't follow the worship commands at the temple. And because of that, Isaiah and others prophesied judgment's going to come because Emmanuel, God's presence with mankind on earth when mankind's sinful doesn't mix and judgment has to come. Wow. Okay. So judgment comes and he stirred up a nation of Assyria to come into Israel and ransack it and carry the people away captive. And now you just have the southern nation Judah left around Jerusalem and the area around it. And they began to slip into idolatry and other things. And the prophets prophesied about now judgments coming to them. And Babylon comes in. And they come in and conquer Jerusalem and they wreck the temple, wipe it completely out and carry the people away captive. Okay, So it was during this time 
when Isaiah and other prophets knew about this darkness coming and they're prophesying about this struggle, okay, already happening in Israel, and now Judah is, is struggling with a king coming in and God's going to give them one more break and, and fight a battle for them. It says here, let's look at Isaiah chapter 7, go all the way to verse 1. I just want to give you a little context of when Isaiah spoke the word about the virgin birth. Amen? little different angle here. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah. Remember, you've got kings of Israel at the time and kings of Judah. Two kingdoms. The nation of Israel divided apart. And Pekah, son of Ramallah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem. Okay? So you have a king of Israel coming to fight against Jerusalem, which is Judah. But they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So you have a worldly nation aligning itself with Israel, also called Ephraim, one of the tribes, so that the heart of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. Ahaz is the king of Judah, southern kingdom. You have Ephraim lining up with the nation of the world to come attack Jerusalem. Okay? And they're concerned and they're worried. These, you know, their former brothers and sisters now lining up with the world to come attack them. Okay? It's, a, it's an awful time in the history of Israel. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, he tells the prophet, Go out you and your son, to meet Ahaz at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to Washerman's Field. Verse 4. Say to him, be careful and keep calm and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Ramallah. Don't be afraid of this. I'm telling you, Judah, I'm not through with you yet. This nation, you know, the tribes of Israel that have gone to the north, Israel, have aligned themselves with the world. They're going to come against you, but I'm going to be with you. And they're saying, let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of the king oversee it. Verse 7, yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. Okay, now Isaiah is about to speak to this. And again, in the middle of this, he prophesies about Jesus. Okay, so I'm giving you a little background and a little story of the time Isaiah said, a virgin shall be with child. Everybody okay? Yes, you with me? So he says, the prophet says, it will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only resin. Within 65 years, Ephraim will too be shattered to a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Ramalia's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So the prophet is saying, hey, these guys are coming against you. You're afraid of them, but they're nothing to me. I can handle it. And again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz and says this. Now, Isaiah the prophet talks to the king of Judah, and he says this to him. Now, this is the prophet that's prophesying the word of God. Okay, and he's been prophesying a while and Ahaz knows that he's a prophet of God, has to go to him. And look what he tells King Ahaz. 
He says, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether the deepest depths or the highest heights. In other words, he's pretty, pretty much giving him an open heaven saying, go ahead, ask the Lord for a sign. I don't care how deep it is or how high it is. He's going to do it. I'm telling you that these Ephraim, your brothers that have been divided, have got the world, Aram, to come against you. Now ask the Lord for a sign, whether it's deepest depths or the highest heights. The prophet says to the king, but Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. I didn't recognize the Spirit of the Lord speaking right there. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Now, Isaiah, speaking about this upcoming situation, now gets a download from the heaven itself and the Spirit and begins to speak something that hasn't nothing to do really with this one little scene, but has something to do with a lot bigger picture in the future. Okay? See, Isaiah and the prophets, they didn't understand everything that they were even saying. Praise God. They just knew from the Spirit of the Lord that something's coming, and they knew how to say it and what to say, and he did. So in the middle of that, about a battle coming up, Isaiah gets a download from God and utters these words. Okay? So, okay, you don't, you don't want the sign from God about this battle? And he says this, Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And then he says, The virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. So man, I'm now going to address something that's much deeper than all of this near battle that's about to happen. I'm going to address something about the war in the heavenlies and how God's going to win it for the whole world. And here's how he's going to do it. He's going to do it by invading the earth that had fallen with all the evil and destruction of the sin of Adam that had come out in every nation and every tongue, this one battle that was being fought, there were many battles in many nations over many parts of the globe. There was much evil all around, and God comes in to at that time, and the rise shine, the light has come, and he's saying, look, a virgin shall give birth, and you're going to call his name Emmanuel. You see, at the time... The people could not handle the presence of holy God because man was sinful. But God is saying, I'm going to make a way where, praise the Lord, I'm going to make a way where I'm going to take my word and my word's going to become a person, one of you. I want you to think about now the humanity of Jesus. I want to look at the story of the virgin birth and the story of the baby Jesus from the perspective that He's Emmanuel, He's God with us, but He's also becomes one of us. He becomes a, a person like you and me. The God of heaven who, who in the beginning was the Word. Everything was made by Him, by the Word of God. He was with God, and John 1 says He was God. God took His Word planted in the womb of a virgin named Mary, and there was a child. Imagine that moment of the conception of God in the flesh of a person, a regular person, a young woman, a woman, young woman like you and I. 
You know, here, I mean, this young girl growing up in Nazareth with Joseph and his family, she, uh, you know, has a crush on this guy named Joe. They're betrothed, they're going, they're, they're betrothed, they're, they're engaged, they're going to get married. And now the Bible says, let's, let's look at the story, the different things that happened here. Go with me now. Praise the Lord. Go with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke 1. You know, we see the story of the birth in Matthew and Luke. Uh, John just comes out in the beginning and said Jesus is God. And Mark starts off with his pretty much the baptism and calling the disciples. But if you read Matthew and Luke together, you can get the story um, together. Hallelujah. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel. Praise God. Archangels. Before Lucifer fell, he was an angel in charge of the worship. Gabriel, all the way through the word, you see him as a messenger angel. Michael, you see him as a warring angel. So here's the angel with a name, Gabriel. Sent Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. So in the bloodline of Israel, they kept record of all of their fathers all the way back to Adam. Guys, if you wanted to be engaged to Mary or someone else, you had to go to that family and talk to that father and tell him who you were. And you say, I am, you know, John, the son of David, the son of this. And you had to take it all the way back to David, all the way back to Abraham, and all the way back to Adam. You had to know your roots and what tribe you were from and your history all the way to Adam. They have records of that. That's why Matthew starts with the genealogy. And he goes from Joseph all the way back to David, all the way back to Abraham, all the way back to Adam. Okay? They had a record there. So here it says, Mary is engaged to be married to this man named Joseph. And it says something specific about him. A descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now just, we've got to not just read over this as the Christmas story, but sometimes, folks, you open that Christmas card or you look at this verse or you watch these kids perform this toy and you think about, let's think about, put yourself in her place right now. She's in a town of Nazareth. There's no electricity. You know, there's not a lot of, there's not indoor plumbing and running water. She's growing up in that city. I've been there. It's a small town. Okay. There's a, there was a, we walked where there was a wine press where there was a hole cut in the rock where they used to stomp the grapes. We were there. We went into a synagogue that Mary and Joseph and their families used to go to that was made out of stone and they had stone benches and we sat in that place and we looked around. It was a little building, not anywhere near as big as this, only about a, you know, a fourth size of this in one, one place and they had the benches and they had the place where the rabbi would come and open the scrolls at her in the time of Mary. See, they had the scrolls of the Old Testament. They had the scrolls of Isaiah that talked about the scrolls that I just read, she's heard before. They opened them up when she was a little girl and she would go to synagogue and she would go with her family. 
very religious, practicing Jews, following the Torah and going to Sabbath and reading the scrolls and hearing about a Messiah coming one day. So regular people. Okay, she had this crush on Joseph. He ended up wanting to, to marry her. And now, in the middle of their normal, common life, um, to the northern part of Israel by the Sea of Galilee, an angel appears to her. Wow. You know, there hadn't been much prophecy or anything really happened spiritual in the kingdom then for 400 years. Between the closing of the Old Testament and the opening of the New, they call it the 400 silent years. So there was still religion going through the motions of Judaism. You know, they didn't have many signs, many wonders, many prophets speaking out a whole lot. It was like silent years. And Mary, born in this time, she's a young girl about to be married. And now an angel from heaven appears to her. Let me ask you a question. Maybe some new ones here, some guests. Do you believe it? Do you believe in angels? That angel can come and appear to man? Do you think this is some, just some stories in a book, some ancient stories about one religion, and there's many religions, and as long as you have faith and you're sincere, you'll reach the higher power one day, and your higher power can be a doorknob, as long as you believe in it? Do you believe that? Come on, I'm in a church here with a lot of born-again, spirit-filled, believing Christians, but I know we got guests here. I know we have others. What do you think about the Christmas story? Is it real to you? Do you just, you know, look at the card, throw it away, or go through the motions? Or do you, have you ever stopped and thought for yourself? Have you ever put yourself in Mary's shoes? Do you believe this happened? Was there an angel? Did he speak? Wow. Wow. Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary, Mary was greatly troubled. Wouldn't that be the kind of right response for you too, maybe? Amen. An angel appears to you at the time like this. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. In Greek, Iesus. Jesus in Spanish. Iesus in Greek. Yeshua in Hebrew. Joshua. You are to give him this name. He will be great, and we be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Amen. Now put yourself there, Mary. I'm going to have a, a baby that's going to be the son of God, and his kingdom will never end. Wow. Now that's pretty awesome. Okay. How will this be, Mary asked? I'm a virgin. How can this happen? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Then the angel says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. Elizabeth, her cousin, was barren. Her husband was Zechariah the priest. They were old. They couldn't have children. And now the angel says, look, this is going to happen to you. And I want to tell you, just so you'll know for sure, your cousin Elizabeth, who couldn't have children, and she's pregnant right now also. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. She accepted it in faith and spoke agreement in faith. That's why we say amen or yes. We hear a word from the Lord and we agree together with what we're praying. We say amen. I agree. I believe. Yes, I join my faith with what's being said, with what's being spoken. Amen. Mary said amen. Yes. I agree, I believe. May it be to me what was spoken. You know what she did? Man, I'm going to paraphrase the story, make it short for you. Man, she got dressed, got ready, and went to where Elizabeth was. She went to find Elizabeth. And when she walked in, praise the Lord, you know what happened? When Mary walked in, and she had already conceived the child Jesus... The Son of the living God was inside a person like you or me's womb. Okay? Before Jesus could rise from the dead and heal the sick, he had to be fashioned inside a person, God with us inside the womb of a virgin, and had to be formed and grow as a fetus and grow in her and then come out praise the Lord, to be who he was. Let me tell you something. You, you, the, the greatest thing God wants to get to us and understand is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the seed of the Word of God. The seed of God was planted in the earth in the womb of a virgin. And you, praise the Lord, when you believed in Christ, you have swallowed that same seed is inside of you. And by the washing of the Word and the growing of the Word, He's growing in you so that He can come out and shine the light to the world too. The same thing only multiplied by the millions across the planet. So he goes, she goes to Elizabeth, and when she walked in, you know what happened? Praise the Lord. John the Baptist, who was already like, I don't know, six months in, leaped in the womb of Elizabeth when his Savior walked in. See, the Bible says John was filled with the Holy Ghost from the womb. So the spirit of the living God in John, in a fetus, inside a baby that was there, okay, inside that child was the spirit of the living God, and the spirit in John leaped when Jesus walked in the room. And they began to prophesy, because John knew who he was even as a child. Amen? Hallelujah. It's not a ball of a woman's flesh who has the right to kill it or abort it or not. No, it's a person created by God. That's a side note, just to help you along with your political views. Amen. I'm not going there right now. Glory to God. So, wow. Now, let's, um, let's look at the story some more. Uh, praise the Lord. Go with me now to Matthew chapter 1. 
Matthew 1. We saw a little bit from Luke. Now let's look a little bit of it at the beginning of Matthew. Verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You see, I just told you they came up in the city of Nazareth under the Jewish law. And under the Jewish law, it was illegal under the Jewish law to be fornicators before marriage. According to the law of the Lord, it's still illegal now. God's holy. He's righteous. He created man and woman to be together in holy matrimony. He created that intimacy a man and a woman enjoys. God made that. And he made it to bless you. He made it to bless you and bring you close and make you one. And he made it that way. It's a, it's a special gift. But he put that gift within the bonds of something holy, matrimony together for life. You hear me? In that way, it's blessed. Outside of that way, it's not blessed. Okay? So Joseph, a man under the law and married, knew now she's pregnant. And according to the law, really, she needs to be stoned to death, guilty of sin. And you know what? He was a righteous man following law, but he loved her and he didn't want her to go through that. And so he thought to try to quietly put her away. He didn't have much choices according to the law. He didn't know what had happened yet. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home with you as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So now the Spirit of God tells Joseph it's okay. And he received that from the angel, okay? Yet there's still a problem with this picture, folks. What about the rest of the folks in the community? The angel didn't appear to all of them. Let's think about this story in the real sense. These are real people like you and I. It's not like, you know, because they were in the Bible days and they were walking on the robes, they all had a halo on their head and they were glowing. No, they were people like you and I. And now this girl's pregnant and an angel comes finally tell Joseph too. But now the rest of the story didn't, the rest of the people in Nazareth didn't hear from the angel. With the majority of them are going to believe it? Well, I'm sure, you know, the Bible says Mary was highly favored. I'm sure she was a real good girl, and a lot of folks knew her and believed her and trusted her in a way. But this was a little much, don't you think? Her, she's had this crush on this guy, Joe, for a while. They're getting married, and now they find out she's pregnant, you know, and uh, it's not his, you know? So just think. In the very beginning, God comes to this earth. He splits heaven and earth, and he comes to us, hallelujah, 
um, to, to plant his truth, his word in this world to save the world. But already there's a scandal. Think about it. Now, folks, everywhere, you know, we go and preach the truth of the word. What I'm saying is this truth of the kingdom of God, that Jesus is real, that he's the son of God, that he's the only way, that he died and rose, is going to create conflict in this earth. There's conflict because of the word. You're going to face persecution because of your witness and you want to follow Christ and your buddies or family or others think you went off the deep end. Hey, it's okay to believe, you know, and Jesus like Christians in America, like we all celebrate Christmas and all. But look, don't you start reading that Bible to me. Don't you start trying to follow it. Don't you start giving to the church. Don't you start, you know, going all the time. We don't want you to go overboard with this thing. What? Did Mary really receive God in the flesh? Think about that. So, praise God. So the already there's a stir Okay, when Joseph awoke, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to the son, and they gave him the name Jesus. Now, it skips, Matthew skips right on until after Jesus was born. In the next um, message, they talk about the wise men, but let's go ahead to the birth now. Flip with me back to Luke chapter 2. Let's look at something here. We know the story. Our children are going to be acting it out. We'll have a, a manger scene built right here. The children dressed up. We encourage you to stay after and meet with Scott and, and uh, meet with Jennifer the ladies there and talk about their costumes and what they're going to wear. We have animals and it's beautiful and it's a good thing for your children to participate in this story and begin to learn it from the beginning. Amen? It's your responsibility, mothers and fathers, to train up your child in the way they should go. It's your responsibility to teach them Jesus. The best way for people to get saved and know Christ is through their parents teaching it to them as their children. It's not the best way for them to be raised unchurched, without knowing the truth, without knowing God, to run around, to get crazy, to have to go to prison and all kind of struggles in life and then come back when they're older, no. It's the best way, God's first way, is for husband and wife to be married and to do things godly and raise their children in Christ. Amen. That's the first and foremost way. So gather your children. Praise the Lord. Bring them here um, next week. Let them participate. Be a part and be raised knowing the truth. And then demonstrate that love to your wife and your husband, your spouse, your, your children in the home. That's our first priority. Amen? So the Bible says, of course, in those days, Caesar Augustus made a decree. Everyone had to go to their hometown of their family lineage. Joseph was from the house of David, the, 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 the city of David, the um, town of David, Bethlehem. He had to go back to, to Bethlehem. Now let me just say this. Because I'm trying to make this story of Jesus, and he's God with us. But today I want to demonstrate the humanity of it all. You see, he had to become one of us, like us, a person. He left all the glory and humbled himself to come into a womb of a baby and be gradually grown into a person 
come out like a baby, raised in the city of Nazareth with other children around. Folks, I'm going to tell you. So here, here, Mary and Joseph, she's pregnant. They get this decree. All the Roman world. What Roman world? This was Israel. Yeah, it was Israel conquered by the Romans. Now, can you picture that? To draw that picture, it'd be like you walking out of here at church and you go and get in your car and there's Russian tanks and soldiers marching around in their uniform. And they have dominated and took over Louisiana and America and now we're subject to their rule. That's what it was like when Mary got pregnant with Jesus. They were under Roman rule in Israel. And the Roman ruler, Caesar, said, hey, we're not only going to rule these people, we're going to tax them. And when they go fishing and they have a job and they do this, we're going to tax them heavenly and use their money from Israel to expand our empire overseas and other places. And the Israelites hated them. And yet, Joseph got the decree. And they had to obey it. His wife's pregnant. He doesn't want to take along. You know how far it is from Galilee in the north to Bethlehem down by Jerusalem? It's many miles on a long journey, and there's no bus and there's no plane. And yet the Romans said you had to do it. And by golly, they were under such fear. You know, you disobey, you could be killed. He had to take his pregnant wife. I hope he had a donkey. Put her on and start walking from Galilee down to the south. I made that trip on a big, nice tour air-conditioned bus. It was several hours. Walking on foot, it was several days with a pregnant wife who's hormonal. <laughs> she was a person carrying a baby on a donkey. Want to make this human? Carrying down through these dusty roads, okay? There's not only the problem of the Roman soldiers, there's bandits and thieves along the way. He brings her all the way down and gets to his hometown, been away for a while, and there's not even a place to go. There's no room at the inn. Maybe there was two or three inns in that little town. It says there's no room at the inn. There's no room at the any of the inns. There's no room. Finally, praise God, God made a way. Somebody had favor, said, hey, I know a place you can go. I said, look, my wife's pregnant. Is there anything we can do? Gave them a place to go. And it's a place where they sheltered animals. Now picture that. When they walked in, the linens weren't fluffed up with the towel made into an animal sitting on the bed. The toilet paper wasn't folded just right. They walked into a smelly animal barn, okay? And that's where, see, God's ways are higher than man's ways. I could see, you know, the questions and doubts coming. There they were. And the Bible says, so they made, there's no room at the end. They come there. So Jesus was born, and the place where she laid him was the manger. And sometimes we spiritualize that thing. Manger is a, a box they put the food in for the pigs and the animals to eat a feeding trough they put jesus the son of the living god the savior of the world in a feeding trough 
and there was no party. You would think, you know, if Joseph, you know, walking outside, wondering how she's doing. Imagine there was nobody else there. He probably had to go in and help. You know? There was no nurse. No one there. Okay? And there she has the baby. Puts him in the manger. And praise God, the ones that God announced it to were normal, everyday dudes watching sheep out at night. It's a boring job. And at night when the sheep are sleeping, it's even more boring. They're out there watching sheep in the night on the hill. And all of a sudden, an angel comes and appears to them with great news, good news of great joy. The Savior of the world is born. Imagine these shepherds in the field. They're the ones that get the news. And praise God, they get excited and they come down. You would have thought, you know, if we were writing the story, he would have been born you know, somewhere by the temple of Jerusalem and all the priests would have been practicing for six months while they were waiting with the Levitical choir, with all the horns. There would have been music and dancing. The Shekinah glory would have filled the house. Everybody would have had a parade. They would have come, the Savior of the world. They would have been marching and all of this. But God chose to humble himself and choose to become one of us. Jesus felt all of your pains he felt all of your temptations he grew up as a man they they tried to kill him right away herod sent people to come they killed all the other male babies in that town while joseph warned in another dream took him and went off to egypt for a while then when herod died he went back to his hometown and the boy grew up in nazareth but you know the boy grew up as a normal boy and nobody knew he was the son of god the Bible says later his brothers didn't even believe in him. He didn't walk around Nazareth with a halo on his head. Nobody knew. He was 30 years old before he went into the ministry and started doing the miracles. I think he might have did a little something for his mother out every now and then. Because the first miracle he did, he went to a wedding and they ran out of wine. And, you know, Mary said, hey, do whatever he tells you. She knew something. Okay, and he did, you know, but he didn't reveal himself to anybody. So guys, the humanity, the Bible says that he was a man like us, anointed by God with the Holy Spirit who went around doing good and healing the sick. Emmanuel, God with us. In Isaiah, I'm closing, in Isaiah's day, Isaiah was prophesying about destruction, about judgment and all these things because holy God and sinful man, judgment had to come. Now Jesus comes to be one of us to take the judgment from all the world that needed to satisfy God's righteous judgment. Jesus comes and grows up the only one who didn't sin and he satisfies, fulfills the law and then he chose by obedience to become our sacrifice. And the judgment for sinful man fell on him instead of us. Now, Son of God, amen? Now, Son of God, praise the Lord, he gives us the right to become born like him, born again from above, where, praise the Lord, now that seed of the light is now planted inside of us. And we change from the inside with his love 
And we also humble ourselves, considering others better than ourselves, wanting to do like him and serve others and love others while they are yet sinners. He loved us while we were yet sinners and became one of us. I like the fact that he didn't come through the temple of religion. I like the fact that he didn't come to the hierarchy of all the religious pomp of the day. I like the fact that he came and reached out to the lost and the sinners and the dying. I like the fact that he rebuked the religious and reached out to the lost. Folks, that's what this church is doing. That's what the body of Christ is doing. We reject the religion and reach out to people in the name of Jesus by his love. And when you do, there's going to be conflict and there's going to be persecution because what we believe is in contrast and conflict to the world. If you're lining up with the way the world believes and lives, you don't know him. Christianity, we're called out of the world to go into the world with his love, but we're not of the world. We've been born of him. We belong to the kingdom of God. Now we humble ourselves and we reach out to each and every one with his love. Amen. The story of Jesus, I want to encourage you this week before Christmas to go ahead and pick it up yourself. Read it in Luke. Read it in Matthew. Read some of the prophecies and just let the Holy Spirit meditate with you. And show you and reveal things about the humanity of Jesus. Amen? He's all-powerful living God, but he also became one of us. So he could feel every pain and suffering that we feel. He knows that. You're not alone. He loves you. Father, we're so thankful for the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to share the word. We know that there's people out there who believe in you, been away from church for a while. I pray each and every one will invite someone and bring their children, Lord God, to celebrate the birth of the Savior. Bless in Jesus' name. Amen.